0: Praise the Lord. Good morning. Happy Palm Sunday. Amen. Hallelujah. Turn in your wood and your Bibles to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verse 11. It says, He came into his own. And his own received him not. That's a sad line, isn't it? He came into his own. Just imagine, um, what would you consider your own? <laughs> Come into your own and your own doesn't receive you. That's, boy, that's a sad line. But this is a great line. But as many as received him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we um, we thank You for this promise, Lord. And um, Lord, we um, pray that You would help us uh, take full advantage, Lord, of that offer. And that we wouldn't miss it, Lord. In Your name we pray, Lord Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah title of my sermon is The Opportunity of a Lifetime. The Opportunity of a Lifetime. How does that sound? The Opportunity of a Lifetime. I don't want to sound like a salesman up here. (laughs) But the Opportunity of a Lifetime. There's an old saying and I don't even know who said it. I just happened to remember it and didn't look up who the person is that was quoted. But the Opportunity of a Lifetime only lasts for the lifetime of the opportunity. How many know that every opportunity has a time stamp on it? It has a certain expiration date, and it doesn't last very long. Sometimes it can last a lifetime, but there's always a period of time where you have to redeem that opportunity. And um, so today I feel... Very strongly about this, this message. It, um, uh, Palm Sunday is a day that I probably preached 20, 25 sermons on Palm Sunday. And, and, uh, Palm Sunday, the actual event is in all four gospels, which is very fitting because it's such an important, um, event that occurred. And not many things are in all four gospels, but, uh, Palm Sunday account is in all four Gospels. And something very very important happened at Palm Sunday, and every Sunday this time of the year on this particular Sunday, it's very unique because you always preach the same thing. In fact, almost every sermon I've ever preached on Palm Sunday is always around the same material, the same topic. And it doesn't vary very much. I mean, there's a lot of other times of the year where there's so many different things on that particular day. Like the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there's so many events and so many things surrounding that event that it can be a little different every year. But Palm Sunday generally is the same one. And I've found that a lot of times when you ask people, what is Palm Sunday? (laughs) A lot of times they don't know. (laughs) And it's always the same message. And so I want to preach that message again and try to make sure that we not only capture the moment that is occurring, which is uh, eternally important, but we also recognize what we should recognize from that moment for today, which is really critical, I think, in this hour. Uh, but it says, He came into His own, and His own received Him not, but as many as received Him to them gave He power to become sons of God, even them to believe in His name. So if the question is, He came into His own, but His own received Him not, when specifically did that happen? When did He come to them and they rejected Him? And if you want to have a formal date when that occurred, that a date is Palm Sunday. That is the day that was set aside for all days in eternity for the King of kings, the Lord of lords, to come into His own, come into Jerusalem. And at that moment, um, they had a choice to accept Him or reject Him. And so this is the formal moment that's recognized as when He came into His own and they received Him not. So if you want to remember that, that's a great way to remember uh, the events that are occurring on this date. Now let's read in Luke chapter 19, verse 28, uh, the events that happened. And I want you to really pay attention to everybody else's reaction to the events. And I want you to really pay attention to Jesus' reaction. I want you to really look at what his emotions are on that day compared to what the other people's emotions are on that day, and you'll begin to recognize what's happening on this incredible day. It says, after Jesus, this is verse 18 in Luke chapter 19, I believe, Yeah, Luke 19, verse 28, it says, after Jesus had said this, he went on ahead. Going up to Jerusalem, as He approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, so these are two little villages that are on the Mount of Olives overlooking Jerusalem, Um, He sent two of His disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead found it just as He had told them. When they were untying the colt, the owners asked Him, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, The Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As He went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When He came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, The whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Now when you look at the other account of this in Matthew, it says that there was a large, very large crowd of people. So it's not just his disciples, it's a large crowd of people. And when he came to the place, the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began to joyfully praise God in loud voices, for all the miracles that they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, He replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Now, if we just stop there, this is the triumphal entry. This is crowds and crowds of people that are celebrating the King of heaven and earth Uh, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're receiving their king in Jerusalem. But now let's begin to look at Jesus' reaction Uh, while everybody is celebrating and everybody's having a worship service. And the scribes and Pharisees are obviously very jealous at this point. It says, As he approached Jerusalem, this is Jesus, he saw the city. He wept over it. And said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace. I want to stop there. And if only you would have known on this day what would bring you peace. And I just want you for a moment take that into your heart and apply it to ourselves. If this day... On this day, only you would know what would bring you peace. But now it's hidden from your eyes, he said. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, your children, you and your children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you, what? Did not recognize the time when God came to you, the time of God's coming to you, or the time of your visitation, some of you um, versions say. So this is a very important moment. It's a, a moment where you notice everybody is happy and everybody is celebrating, everybody is worshiping, but what is Jesus doing in this moment? He's crying. He's weeping over the city, Jerusalem, and he's saying if only this day you would recognize the time of your visitation, the time when God was in your midst, if you could only recognize this. And so I started thinking about the opportunity of a lifetime. I was thinking about this message. And so let me sidetrack a little bit from this. And I typed in uh, a Google search, uh, what is uh, some of the most famous missed opportunities? Here's a missed opportunity. 1873, Thomas Edison went to the British government. He had a new invention called the light bulb. And he pitched it to him. And he said, this is going to transform everything. And they actually said to him, that might be good for our transatlantic friends, but us scientists, uh, we think it's kind of a gimmick. And so they passed on it. And a century later, everybody would be dependent on a light bulb. How about that for a bad missed opportunity? <laughs> Here's another bad one. Western Union. A man by the name of Alexander Graham Bell in 1876 went down and showed them a gadget he called the telephone. He wanted to commercialize it. He said that he could speak in it and transfer that to other places. And he said he felt like every city in the world would have one at some point. Um, he offered it to them for $100,000, which is equivalent to $2.4 million today. Um... They said no and described his idea as idiotic. In two thousand four, at this point, when this person wrote this article, it said there are more phones and mobile phones in the world than there are people. (laughs) They called it idiotic. (laughs) I mean, oh that's an opportunity of a lifetime. Two point four million in today's money. Here's one I really like because I think it's kind of applicable to the story, but uh Kodak. They were the king of camera film, and digital arrived. Uh, They didn't like the idea of digital, because back in 1975, one of their own engineers at Kodak, Stephen Sasson, developed an early, early concept for a digital camera. He told his employers, assuming that they would be delighted with his discovery. But when they saw it, they said it was a threat to their traditional film. So they suppressed his technology and hoped it would go away. Unfortunately, it did not, and the company barely escaped bankruptcy for hiding it. (laughs) How many know that sometimes tradition, we can hold on to what we have and miss the opportunity of a lifetime? And I see this with Jesus. Jesus comes into the most, um, how many know Jerusalem is the city that should have recognized their Messiah? They should have been the first to recognize the Messiah. Uh, not only did they have the Scriptures, not only did they have the prophecies, not only uh, did He walk their streets. Um, in fact, it wasn't too long before He appeared, uh, That He, a few days before that He raised somebody from the dead. I mean, can you imagine this? The miracles that Jesus did, there were so many that they couldn't write enough books to contain it, John said. And so He's doing miracles all around Jerusalem, all around Galilee to the north. He just healed a man and raised him from the dead, just a few villages over. Um, he, he matches everything the Scriptures say that He's going to be. And then in Psalms, in fact, uh, Psalms gives an incredible uh, prophecy in 118, um, it says, "The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone." This is the Lord's doing; it is marvelous in our eyes. And then it says, "This is the day that the Lord has made; let us rejoice and be glad in it." Save us, we Lord. O Lord, we pray. Give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God; he made his light to shine upon us. How many of you know that all of the people are quoting that psalm? on that day, saying this is the day that the Lord has made. And there was a special day that had been coronated above all other days. And Daniel actually prophesied about it, and I have went through them many times. I won't go through them again today, but in Daniel 9.25, he says, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and rebuild Jerusalem, until the Messiah, the Prince, there will be seven weeks and sixty-two weeks. So Daniel prophesied that there would be forty-nine years, and then there would be an announcement that would come from King Artaxerxes. It's recorded in history on a certain day, and it said that the the announcement will come out after forty-nine years. They'll return to Jerusalem, and then there would be exactly 483 years. In fact, the amount of days it would be to the exact day 173,880 days. 483 years, 360 days plus 116 leap years comes exactly to the day April 1632 A.D., the day that Jesus is about to get on a donkey. And by the way, Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9 prophesied that Jesus would come in on a donkey. In fact, if a leader came in on a stallion or if he came in on a charger or he came on in a large imposing horse, that means that there's war. But if he came in like Solomon did on a mule or a donkey, that meant peace. And so here Jesus came through the gate that was prophesied after 483 years when it says the Messiah will come, and on the exact day that God prescribed, guess who comes through the gate? And guess what the people are saying in accordance with prophecy? Their day had come. And so here was the opportunity of a lifetime. Here was the opportunity for your king who was prophesied, your Messiah, your king of kings, Your Lord of Lords. He comes in on a donkey. He comes in through the gate called Beautiful. He fulfills every prophecy. He heals the sick. He heals the, raises those from the dead. He heals the blind, heals the deaf, uh, teaches like no one's ever taught. He's the prophet that Messiah, that Moses had prophesied about. The prophet that was to become, that was to be greater than even Moses. And here he comes, the opportunity of a lifetime. And how many know this uh, kicks off um, the week that Jesus would come present Himself to the leaders? In fact, He comes in, and I think I preached on this last year, but He comes in on the very day that the lamb is supposed to be inspected. In fact, the day that the lamb is supposed to be uh, inspected, He was there on that day in the temple to be inspected by the chief priest. And they could find no sin in Him. They could find no fault in Him. And on the very day the Lamb was to be sacrificed, He was there ready to be sacrificed as God's Lamb. And every single thing He fulfilled. But did you notice in Psalm, that Scripture that I just read in Psalm one sixteen or 118, it says, The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. Isn't it marvelous? It is marvelous in our eyes. Isn't that an amazing prophecy? It says this is the day that the Lord has made that Jesus would come into the city and it would be that particular day. It was prophetic. It was 600 years in advance that Zechariah had prophesied it. Seven years in advance that Daniel had prophesied it. Here he is, but the prophecy also says the stone would be Rejected. The one that God, the people rejected, God has made the cornerstone. And I want you to think about this for one minute what Jesus seen. In fact, how many times we think of Palm Sunday, and it is exciting because there is going to, how many know there's going to come a day when he is going to enter. On a charger, not on a donkey, he's going to come in on a charger as the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. They're going to cry out Hosanna, they're going all the things that they expected on that day, but they did not expect a suffering servant. They had an ideal in their own mind what he was going to look like, and when he didn't fit that bill, how many know they threw him away? At the beginning of the week they were proclaiming he was king of kings, he was Lord of Lords, and by the end of the week they were crying crucify him because He didn't line up with what they thought God should look like. He lined up with the Word, but He didn't line up with what they wanted. And so Jesus has come into the city, and of all the places He should have been received, it says they did not receive Jesus Christ. And Jesus has a whole different mentality than what the people have. How many know that Jesus is saying, Jesus looks at them and sees why they're excited. He sees why they're celebrating, but Jesus also knows, because as you look at John chapter 14, John chapter 15, John chapter 16, Jesus is telling them all the things that He must suffer. He's telling them all the things that are going to happen to Him. He's telling them all the things that are going to happen to them. He knows everything that's going to happen during the course of that week. And Jesus looks at the people, and He knows the people in their mind have an ideal how things are going to go. And their ideal is Jesus is going to come in as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's going to wipe out the Roman people. He's going to establish His kingdom. And He's going to wipe out all of our oppressors, and it's going to be over. And how many know everything that they thought was going to happen was not what the Bible said was going to happen. It wasn't. They weren't lined up with the Word of God. They weren't lined up with Jesus' own words. They had no idea what He was coming to do. They had no idea He was going to die on a cross. They had no idea that when He died on the cross that He would go into the underbelly of hell and He would deliver every captive that ever believed on His name. They had no idea that He was going to send on the right hand of the Father. They had no idea He was going to pour out the Holy Spirit. But He was still telling them all these things. How many know that he knew that he was going to suffer? He knew that he was going to die. He knew what the Word of God was. He knew what the will of God was. He bowed to the will of God. And he was obedient to the will of God. And when the people didn't like the will of God, what did they do? They rejected the opportunity of a lifetime. And so that's what I want to look at this morning. It's very easy to look at this and very easy to say, wow, look at this city. Man, they had everything. They, um you know, sometimes we look at it and we say, well, man, that's, we kind of separate ourselves from it. And we say that, you know, we're not like that city. But how many know this city wasn't the most wicked city in the world? This city probably had some of the most righteous people in the world. This city had some of the most godly people in the world. This city had some really wonderful uh, people in this city, and yet they missed the opportunity of a lifetime. They, and you say, well, man, that couldn't be us, but can I tell you something? We are as privileged as Jerusalem was. We are more privileged maybe than any Christian society that's ever been on the face of the earth. And you say, well, man, I don't know about that. We're in a wicked time, Chad. Haven't you looked around and seen how wicked things are and how bad things are? You know, I don't know any Christian in the history of the world that's ever been able to push a button and get a free download on their phone and have an entire translation of the Bible and any translation they want at a moment's notice. I don't know any generation that's ever been able to push a button and have heavenly choirs sing any gospel song they've ever wanted to heard sung at a moment's notice. I mean, we are absolutely spoiled. We are absolutely spoiled. We've got more gospel I can, I can push a button and get any preacher in the world right now almost. Any preacher almost in the world, I can hear him preach any message from any scripture, from any sermon. I can hear any song from almost any singer. I can pull out any download of any type, any, any translation of the Bible. I can break down the Hebrew. I can break down the Greek. I can get the great libraries of the world that expound on the Bible. I mean, you know, we're, More spoiled sometimes than even Jerusalem was at that time. You say, well, man, they had Jesus there. Jesus could only be there one moment, one time, one place. You know, we're as spoiled as they were. And the thing that really struck me was Jesus. Is in his most triumphant moment. How many know that there, I mean, they said there's somewhere between 50,000 to hundreds of thousands of people in that city at that time. And this is the moment where he's looking down from the Mount of Olives. That whole valley is full of people. They're throwing their colts, they're throwing palm leaves, they're throwing everything at his feet. They're all celebrating. How I many know oh, this is a big worship service in Jerusalem? He's being coronated the king, and he's crying, hurting, weeping. I mean, that's that grabs a hold of my heart. Thinking about that, and what is he seeing? He tells us what he's seeing. He sees that they are rejecting him in their heart. He sees that the city is going to receive judgment. That judgment would come in about 37 years. But he sees that they're going to have judgment. He sees the death toll. I, th- I think he sees everything that's going to happen when that, he said there's going to be people that are going to be setting embankments on this city. And how many know that was one of the worst scenes in history when Jerusalem was destroyed about 37 years later? And Jesus is weeping. Because he knew that your peace had come and you weren't going to receive me. You wouldn't receive me. You say, Well, man, what does that have to do with me today? How many know if we're not careful? Ultimately there is judgment that is waiting for this world. Judgment waiting for each one of us if we don't have Christ. And how many of you know if we somehow, and you say, well, it could never happen to me. Can I tell you something? It happened to Jerusalem. It happened to God's people. It happened to His own. And my message today is the opportunity of a lifetime lasts for the lifetime of the opportunity. And right now, there's not one of us in here that knows when the end of the opportunity will be. Nobody. There's nobody that knows that we're not going to go out there and get in our car and it might be the last day that we're ever here. And and boy, how awful would it be to have so many opportunities in this life to know Jesus and miss the lifetime of an opportunity. To miss that opportunity of a lifetime where Jesus Christ was presented to us, we have opportunity day after day after day. And you say, well, I know the Lord. I know the Lord. And, and But my question is, are we taking advantage of that opportunity? Are we Are taking advantage of that opportunity to reach the people we love? You know, we don't know. We don't know when the last day is going to be. We don't know when the last moment is going to be. We don't know when our last moment is going to be. How many know that Jerusalem... Nobody knew when that destruction was coming. But Jesus told them very clearly there won't be one stone left on another. He's in His moment of jubilee, the moment of excitement, and He's thinking about that. Don't you find that interesting that Jesus is thinking about judgment that is coming and He says the reason that their judgment came was why? Because they didn't recognize the moment of their visitation. They didn't recognize the God of peace that could have came in their life. What if what if there are a lot of people in our life? The judgment is just around the corner like Jerusalem was. Judgment is right around the corner. Judgment and not only you say, well, man, that's judge in the judge in the afterlife or eternity, but you know judgment happens in this world too. How many of you know there are a lot of families that will be destroyed if they don't find the God of peace? I mean, oh, there are a lot of lives that will be destroyed if they don't find the God of peace. And Jesus wept, and I think that's the heart of Jesus, is to weep because they did not recognize the visitation of Jesus in Jerusalem. And so I kept thinking about that. I kept thinking about how many people in Jerusalem, and, and, and to be honest, Palm Sunday, How many people think of Palm Sunday and realize that is the moment where Jerusalem rejected Jesus? The moment where Jesus is weeping. Everybody's celebrating, but Jesus is weeping. Jesus is crying because they didn't recognize Him. They didn't see that their King had come. They didn't recognize the God of peace. They didn't recognize the cornerstone with which the whole building was going to be built. That means they moved on without the cornerstone of the building. They moved on in Judaism without the cornerstone, which was Jesus. And it just amazes me. And then I just started thinking uh, to myself about not missing an opportunity. And as I started thinking about it, and I was thinking about Jesus uh, This going into the final week before His crucifixion. And as I was praying about it and thinking about it, I started thinking about Jesus on the cross. And uh, how many remember there were two criminals on either side of Jesus? One on the left and one on the right. And um, I don't know what happened to the other uh, criminal. He, uh, in fact, it looks like they both were mocking him. One of the prophecies kind of allude to the fact that everybody around him, is mocking him. Everybody around him is uh, teasing him and telling him to save himself. And one of the prophet, one of the prophecies in Psalms said they would do that. And but something happens to the one criminal, and he begins defending Jesus. And God begins changing his heart. And God begins um, just doing something amazing in this. Uh, in this man's heart, and, and um, something happens. Let me find it amazing that this guy was such a bad criminal that he was convicted and tried and capital punishment. And he's on one side, the one's on the other. I don't know which one's more amazing. I don't know what's more amazing that you're about to die, going to eternity, and you don't repent. You have nothing to lose? Or you're the one on the other side that sees that God would forgive him? Because both of them, how many of you know, they both probably watched the entire events occur? They broke the legs of the two uh, criminals on either side because uh, they weren't dead yet. And Jesus had already died. So How many of you know, they witnessed everything that He said, everything that He did, and and something with the one. In fact, I'm so thankful for uh, the behavior of the one criminal, uh, because how do you know he was never? As far as I know, he never was taught scripture. How do you know that he never was taught scripture? He never, you know, went through a baptismal. Nobody ever came and baptized him while he was on the cross. Nobody uh, did anything, and he just said he recognized uh, the thing that we read in the beginning. He came into His own. His own received Him not, but as many as received Him to them if He power to become the sons of God, even them that believe on His name. And man, I'm so happy for the simplicity of the thief on the cross. Just the fact that he believed on His name and everybody else was rejecting Him, even his own rejected Him. And a thief on the cross, man. It excites me so much to see how simple it is and how wonderful it is. And to them gave He power to become the sons of God. How many of you know that thief on the cross became a son of God? He became a child of God. And He said, "Will you remember me in paradise? He's about to die. And Jesus forgave him on the cross. And He gave His heart to the Lord. And can I tell you something? That is a guy... I didn't miss his opportunity. <laughs> Isn't that something? Isn't that amazing? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Worship team. Heavenly Father, we come before You, Lord. And uh, Lord, we just don't want to miss You, Lord God. Lord, we want to be very careful. Lord, we want to keep our spiritual hearts open, our eyes open. Lord, we want to see everything that you're doing, Lord. Lord, we want to um, keep our lamps full of your oil. Lord, we want to recognize your power, your authority, your kingdom, Lord. We want to seek your kingdom ahead of everything else, Lord God. We don't want to miss you. And Lord, on this Palm Sunday, Lord God, we are focused on the lessons, Lord God, that we can learn how all of the religious missed you, Lord God. And Lord, we know how you wept. And today, Lord, we don't want to miss you, Lord. We want to recognize you. We want to remember you. We want to keep you first and foremost in everything we do, Lord God. Lord, like we sang earlier today, we can't live without You, Lord. Lord, we want to truly, 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 Lord, sing, blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. Lord, we want to glorify You and bless You, Lord God. You are the King of heaven and earth. Lord, we don't glorify You, Lord God, because of what our mental image is of what You can do or You will do. God. We're going to say, Lord, Your will be done. And we're going to serve You no matter what. Help us today, Lord. In name your Church, if you would rise to your feet, I just want to, The one thing that was on my heart in this message was, I don't want to be like those religious people in Jerusalem. You say, well, how would that be? That would be that if God doesn't do things, listen to Anything from this message. If God doesn't do it the way I think He should do it, I'm not going to serve Him. How many of you have realized, how many are mature enough to understand now that this isn't like a fairy tale? You're going to go through life, and how many know Job didn't expect things to turn out the way they did? I don't think Paul expected things to. To always go the way that they did. I don't think Peter expected things to go the way they did. I think Jesus was wrestling with the cup that was before him. How many of you know if we sit down and intellectually say, this is how it's going to happen? This is how it's going to happen. This is how it's going to happen. And that's what these people did on this day. And God. Jesus was weeping because God has His own will. God has His own plans. God has His own purposes. And those people who follow Jesus Christ, those people who love Jesus Christ, mature through that and understand, Lord, whatever Your will is, I'm going to serve You no matter what. How many of you know that today? And that's the message of Palm Sunday was when He didn't meet their expectations, guess what they did? They looked for another Lord. They looked for another Savior. They looked for another person. He wasn't the one. And how many know a lot of people today are falling away from Jesus Christ because it's not happening the way they wanted. They wanted this victorious warrior to just absolutely come in and do it a certain way and when it didn't happen that certain way. How many know the way God is doing it is the way God wants to glorify Himself? You say, well, man, I'm going through a really tough struggle. All of us are going through the struggle that God has put before us. God is glorifying Himself through your life right this moment. You say, well, man, I'll serve Him when the hard time's over, but God is actually using everything life for his purpose and his glory, and he's saying your will be done is what God's calling us to do this morning. And so this morning I just want to remind you that as we worship, we're getting ready to take communion, and I just want to make sure that we understand the lesson of Palm Sunday where the people celebrated, and then when they found out he wasn't what they thought he was supposed to be, then they gave up on him. I'll be honest with you. I may not have uh, I may not have wrote the script like it happened. But how many think God's script was a lot better than what we would have written for Jesus? Jesus wasn't going after the Roman government. He had bigger fish to fry. Okay, I mean, oh, Jesus was going to the belly of hell to take on every principality and every power. How many know no man has ever went there and came back out? How many know that he challenged all of hell, every demonic force? How many know all of hell was against him when he descended into hell to release those who were captive who had faith in Christ? How many know that Jesus literally defeated... Every demon, every stronghold, every power. He took the keys of hell and death, and all they wanted him to do is just take on the Roman government. I think Jesus' plan was a lot better than what we could have written. And guess what? God's plan for your life is a lot better than what you could ever write. And sometimes we're we're letting go of Jesus Christ and his lordship because we want to write the story. God said, No, I'm writing this story. Trust me. Trust me, my plan is a lot better than your plan. We just don't see it right now. His plan is better than our plan. And so take today just to begin to think about Palm Sunday and what it means. And and I hope next year when I preach it, everybody remembers what happened on Palm Palm Sunday. It was really an amazing day. Um, One day in history that was set aside from all other. This is the day that the Lord has made. It's that day on Palm Sunday where he came and was received not by his people. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray right now, Lord, that you would uh, let us see who you are, Lord. Lord, you are the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Lord, on this week when you died for our sins, Lord, you took the stinger out of death. Lord, you destroyed death. You brought life. Lord, you defeated every principality and every power. You overcame the world. Lord, as we uh, go to the Lord in communion here, I can't think of a better way to um, remember Palm Sunday, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. How many know that he commanded us to do this in remembrance of him until he comes, until he returns? And uh, how many are thankful for the uh, simple, simple um, example of the theme of the cross, that he just believed. And the Lord welcomed in a convicted, executed criminal into the kingdom by simply believing. How many know the Bible is full of examples of people just simply believing? And so how many can do that this morning? Just simply have faith in Jesus Christ? Hallelujah. And that's what we're doing. We're coming to His table in faith believing that He loves us, cares for us, and we're going to be with Him forever, hallelujah. We're going to be with the Lord forever, hallelujah. We just have to believe and trust in the Lord, very simple. But how many also know that there are a lot of people that even though that door of opportunity is open, how many know Jesus Jesus looked across Jerusalem and He's seen so many that just wouldn't so we have a world around us that God wants us to reach, hallelujah, because that door of opportunity is only open for a time, hallelujah, and then at some point, the door of opportunity will no longer be open, and let me know that's our mission, hallelujah, so as we come to the Lord's table, let's pray for the mission, but let's also thank the Lord for what He's done for us, hallelujah. Mike, would you be willing to? I'm going to read the scripture here first. Everybody been served? Hallelujah. Everybody? As one? Alright. For I have received of the Lord, which I also delivered to you. The Lord Jesus, the same night in which He was betrayed, took bread. And when He had given thanks to take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Hallelujah. Mike, would you pray for them? Father God, thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for giving us this opportunity. I pray that uh, you would uh, bless each and every one of us in here and uh, bless this time as we take our bread. after the same manner, also he took the cup. And when he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament that's in my blood. This do as often as you drink in remembrance of me. Eddie, we bless the Father God, we thank you, Lord, for, for pouring your blood upon us, Lord, for allowing it to Cleanse us of our sins, Lord, to make us pure, to make us whole, Lord, to make us one with you again, Lord. We thank you that you went through everything, God, just for us. You could have at any time said no, but you didn't. You went through with it. You suffered more than we would ever have to go through, Lord, all because you love us. Lord, we thank you for it. We're so grateful. In Jesus' name we pray. All right, now let's just praise the Lord for a moment before we close. Hallelujah. Father, Lord, we love you. Lord we, just thank, Lord, we just thank you for your presence, Lord. Lord, your presence in this place, Lord. Father, we uh, thank you for this worship team, Lord, that i uh, so faithful every week to bring us into your presence, Lord. And uh, Lord, we just thank you for everything that you've done for us, Lord. And I just pray your anointing upon your people, Lord, as we go throughout our week, Lord, Lord, that we would always remember you, Lord. And uh, Lord, I just pray to you bless your people, Lord. I thank you for them.